Yellow It Is. Tuesday, August 18th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and it is time for a, another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. So, first topic today will be John Jones and this move to heavyweight. So, earlier today, he tweeted out, I'm going to need a good nutritionist and a supplement sponsor. Just throwing that out there. My first question to this would be, isn't that his manager's job? So, I mean, that's a rhetorical question, obviously. His manager should be handling that. But And then to do it on Twitter, I don't know. It seems this is the second most popular and second most, I would say, marketable, maybe, but biggest... Uh, Let's say biggest pay-per-view draw, second biggest pay-per-view draw rather than marketable um, fighter in the UFC after Conor McGregor, because I don't know how marketable Conor McGregor is either at this point. And so I thought about this, and what um what what benefit would a sponsor ha- get? For providing John Jones with these services, so he's going to expect um, free supplements and nutrition, nutrition advice and meals, maybe and whatever the deal is, it, either free or very, or very much reduced. And for that, he will what? Because the thing is, you don't really get much from a UFC. Sp- from sponsoring a UFC fighter these days. He can't wear your logo to the octagon. He can't wear your logo on his fight kit. At best, you get seen in a photo from the from training from a, a, a pre-fight presser, post-fight, maybe. I don't think I don't think post-fight you can do it. And pre-fight even, maybe with someone like Jones, I don't know if you can do it. Maybe for fighters who have uh, the media days, you can do it. But that might change too with Venom. I know at the beginning of the Reebok deal, they did not let you wear anything but Reebok. I think that has loosened up a little bit. But really, what is the benefit for a for a sponsor? Of anyone, really, it's very limited. It's very, very limited. Now, do you? The other thing is, do you roll the dice? Do you roll the dice on sponsoring John Jones? You're going to put your name, the name of your business, next to John Jones. And I don't know if you do that, because history has told us he might taint your your uh, your business with some kind of. Uh, legal infraction and now you're the sponsor of John Jones I don't know I don't know if you do that he's lost big time sponsors in the past everyone has to be aware of that and so to lose the sponsors in the past you're not going to get a blue chip sponsor now you're just not I'd be very surprised if any any big name sponsor came up 
and sign John Jones to a deal. And if they were if they were interested, he already would have been signed to a deal. To think that he doesn't have one as the light heavyweight champion is kind of that kind of tells you everything you need to know. And I don't know who sponsors um Conor McGregor anymore either. He he probably lost some over his um last few infractions. So I don't know what you do here. I, I if I'm a sponsor and I have a good solid understanding of John Jones's past, I do not put my business in with him. I just don't. I don't think he he's uh someone that you can trust to have your business in mind. Even if he keeps out of trouble. I don't know if it's worth the risk. So, I wish him luck, but I just don't think that John Jones is going to land any any blue chip sponsors. And if he was gonna, I think he would have already had one, and that he wouldn't be out here on on social media looking for someone to sponsor him. The sponsors would go to him. UFC doesn't have any problem getting sponsors on its own, uh, and if if it was lucrative. John Jones wouldn't have any problems getting sponsors either. But he seems to be having some difficulties in that regard. John McCarthy was on Luke Thomas's radio show on, I think it was Monday, and he brought up some good points. The first of which I was kind of shocked by, and that was... In Nevada, the instant replay rule is that it can be used, and it's not, it doesn't stop the fight. I did not know that because in most places, instant replay stops the fight. And so, well, I'll let, uh, I'll let McCarthy, here's the clip from, from Luke Thomas's radio show. The one thing that is different in Nevada, Nevada has the rule different than what is the unified rules when it comes to the use of instant replay. The use of instant replay in the state of Nevada can be utilized at any time that the referee feels that there was a possible foul or something that they want to go back and look at. The unified rules for instant replay will say that the the instant replay can only be used in a fight ending sequence, meaning you think that something occurred there's a possibility that a foul was what ended up hurting the opponent and he went down and then you ended up stopping the fight, but the fight is over. Now you can go look at instant replay and make a judgment on was I correct or was I wrong? So in Nevada, what Mark Goddard could have done. And, you know, sometimes when you're working all of these different locations and the rules change, it becomes, it becomes tough to remember exactly what the rules are in one location compared to the other locations that you were just working so the one thing that he could have done is on the break you know he he told dc hey you know he thought it was a punch and it's it's easy to see when you watch it in slow motion on instant replay it's not easy to see when it's done at real time so it's understandable why it was missed but 
when he tells DC and he's not saying sit down to like be a big, you know, a dad to him and, and to put him in his place. He's saying it because he wants him to be worked on by the cut man. And he knows the longer he stands and argues with him, that's less time for the cut man and the, his people to work with him. So he gets to that point where he tells DC, go ahead and sit down. And he walks out to show me that instant replay while the break is taking place. And he quickly sees, nope, it was an eye poke. He lets the break go to its natural conclusion. He kicks everybody out of the ring, and he calls time at the end of that break. And he starts to go towards D.C. He'll bring in a ringside position and give D.C. time to clear out his vision. Even though he just had a minute, I'll give you more time now because it was a foul that created a situation that puts you at a disadvantage. Hmm. That's what Mark could have done. That's interesting. And... I don't blame Goddard because if everywhere else you you referee, the rule is instant replay only in the use of, uh, I mean, instant replay and it stops the fight. Well, if it's everywhere else, well, then that's what you're, is going to be planted in your mind. So that is a, another reason why the rules have to be uniform in every location we're far past the point of having multiple multiple rule sets we don't need it i would uh, i kind of like what what nevada has here but and mccarthy will follow up on this it could have a downside as well but to get back to the cormier thing even if he stops the the fight and goes to through all of that to give Cormier some time and bring the doctor in to check his eye, what does it really do? If Cormier says he can't continue, then the fight stops and we probably get a no contest. I don't think Cormier says that. Because this is going to be his last fight. He doesn't want to do that. No fighter wants to say they can't see and, and stop fighting because every fighter thinks they're going to win every fight. That's just the nature of a fighter. And I think that has to be the nature of a fighter or you wouldn't get into a cage with someone else and, and fist fight. But I don't know if it really does anything other than give Cormier a little more time. But by the time the end of the fight, came around we saw that a little more time wouldn't have done anything for Cormier's eye so it's still it's still unfortunate but it points out again that having multiple rule sets is a big problem so uh, that needs to be rectified and now on to why some places might not have instant replay that you can check um, like Nevada has. And here's the downside, according to John McCarthy. The problem is the, the rule even that Nevada has, has its downside too. Because if you and I are fighting, and you hit me with a beautiful shot, we'll say right to you know the solar plex area, and I go, oh, and I bend over like I get hit to the groin, and the referee stops the fight, right? And thinks, you know what, maybe that wasn't good. That was a good shot, and now we have a timeout, and he goes over and he looks at that instant replay, and then he comes back and says, no, that was a good shot. 
look who was put in a bad position. You had the ability to possibly be in a fight-ending sequence based upon a clean legal shot. I fake the fact that it was low. He buys into it. Now he sees it's good. We got a problem. Well, I can't really argue with that. That is 100% true. That would be a problem. So now the rules committee, is there a rules committee? There should be a rules committee. If uh, whoever makes the rules <laughs> has to weigh that out and they have to, they don't have to, but they should involve the fighters. And so now it has to be a, a, a weighing of what is better for the sport. And if you have to weigh it out, I'm going to think what's, what the fighters would say is it's better for the sport not to have it. Because if you're the guy who has the advantage and they cut, they halt the fight and go to the replay and, and find out that you, uh, the, that in, in the case that McCarthy says that the foul was not a legitimate foul, well, now you lost your advantage. And I and that that's a slippery slope. So maybe that's why only Nevada has it. Be interesting. Maybe I'll follow up with uh, Nevada on that and get some information. But yeah, so there's like he says, there's good and bad. So you, uh, they have to weigh it out and see what is better for the sport. That's a tough question. Real tough question. Thomas then asked uh, McCarthy what he would change about, I think, what about the sport. And the answer is not really a surprise, but I think how he states this very plainly about who has the power to make that change might be a surprise. You know, I would say the first thing, change the damn gloves. You know, this, yeah, this what, what do you make of that? To, eh, let's, let's just be honest. There, it's very simple for you know, a big promotion to say, you know what, I don't like the gloves that you're manufacturing for me. In fact, I'm not going to use them until you change them. What do you think that manufacturer is going to do, Luke? He's going to change them. But until such time, why is he going to change things, have to do you know, different setups, different, you know, you know, machinery to make things bend a certain way, but the gloves, especially the gloves, you know, in the UFC, they are a straight out, you know, they, they make you as a fighter, squeeze your hand. You've got to think about squeezing your hand together to make it. It's very simple for your hand to go straight out because that's the natural position that the glove makes your hand go to. We need to have it where the glove is a curved glove and you have to actually think about making your hand go straight and you got to work towards making your hand go straight. I think it would help a lot in not alleviating all you're never going to alleviate all, but it would help in alleviating a lot of the eye pokes that we see. Again, this is not a surprise, but the solution I think that is offered is a real one. And if the UFC gets with the fighters and says, okay, we need to change these gloves so your fingers point down, that's 
that discussion is done. We're making the gloves. We're changing the gloves so your fingers point down. Now, what's the limit so you can still effectively grapple? How far down can they point? And then you find a consensus or you make the gloves more flexible so you can so you don't have to like McCarthy says if if the gloves are designed to make your fingers point out then at least design them more flexibly so your fingers so you can close your fist when you need to without thinking about it so your fingers are kind of relaxed maybe make more room in in the fingers I don't know I I don't I don't fight so I don't know but there has to be a solution. Now, once that's worked out, then you give them to the manufacturer and tell them. Well, first you tell the manufacturer that you're going to change them in they, and if they don't want the bid, you'll have to go out to another company and get the bid. But um, they'll probably want the bid because why wouldn't you want to stay in business with the UFC? And so, yes, there's going to be upfront costs. Yes, there's going to be changes in the manufacturing process. And yes, that those costs are going to be absorbed by the UFC. That's how business works. However, the UFC always tells us, safety first, safety first, safety first. Well, you're telling us safety first, but you're not showing us safety first. I understand you have to be able to punch and grapple with these gloves. There's a solution out there somewhere, and the UFC has to mandate it. So the UFC should mandate it. But it should also work with the fighters to make sure that it's it's reasonable that they can that they can effectively fight in a mixed martial arts fight with these gloves once they are redesigned. But they do need to be redesigned. So show us safety first. Don't just tell us safety first. So there was a tweet floating around Tony Kelly getting his UFC bonus and Bryce Mitchell tweeted that those bonuses change lives. And I don't want to say that they don't change things because they obviously do. You get $50,000. That that is that will change some things. But after taxes and if someone I don't know how these fighters have their contracts written with their teams and their managers if they get a cut and even if they don't bonuses are taxed incredibly heavy so you're going to lose a giant chunk of that just because of taxes and so a fifty thousand dollar bonus will change maybe a, a, that year. Will change that year, not change that, your life. And even if it does change that year, it doesn't change it in such a big way that it's going to matter in the big picture. Especially if you're a fighter on your your first first contract, then maybe it helps you break even. Maybe. So, the the UFC bonus structure is not fair, and it's not designed to be fair. It's designed to shut fighters up and make them think 
that they're getting something above and beyond when really they're getting pocket change, Dana White's pocket change from, from a night of blackjack. That fifty that $50,000 is nothing to, to the UFC. And so the illusion is there that you're getting a substantial amount of money. But you're not. You're getting money to shut you up and to make you think that you're, the UFC is taking care of you. And that's why, well, that's one of the reasons people beg for the, the bonuses. The other pe- reason people beg for the bonuses is because the pay in the UFC sucks, and we know that. So instead of the bonuses, eradicate the bonuses. They're, they're useless. They're there to pit fighters against each other to make, and, to, and to create some kind of illusion. They are not, they're not real. They don't help you in the long run. Don't be focused on getting a bonus this Saturday. That's dumb. It's not dumb. It's, it's because it's the only thing you can get. But don't focus on this Saturday. Focus on that Saturday, three years down the road. What what can benefit you three years down the road? A higher wage, health insurance, health insurance year round, a working wage, so you can lose whatever second job you have. Say you're a carpenter, seven fights into your UFC career with five wins, like happened on Saturday, you can lose that job. Because you won't need it. So you want a working wage. You want year-round health insurance for you and your family. And, and you, want, you want these things as soon as you can get them. That changes your life. That makes you a professional athlete. Not a part-time athlete. Don't think short-term. Too many fighters think short-term. If, if folks thought long-term, they would... They would realize how silly the bonus structure is and how few people it helps and how arbitrary it is. It's ridiculously arbitrary. It's handled by one or a couple people. And we know that their inclination is to reward slugfests more than high-level grappling matches. So if you're a high-level grappler, unless you do something incredible... The odds of you getting a bonus are pretty slim. But if you're out there just throwing bungalows and you knock your guy out and give him a concussion, you're going to get a, a bonus, which is the more skilled mixed martial artist. It's probably the high-level grappler. But that's not the more entertaining fight, and so you're out there entertaining with your, with your future, your, your brain, and you're losing part of that future every time you're getting those kind of wars. And so $50,000 today is not going to benefit you when you have CTE. It's not. But health insurance, that will. So I think big picture, folks have to look long term. And I know most of these fighters are young and they don't see that, but their managers should. Their managers are supposed to be helping them out. And this goes back to the managers trying to get things for their fighters. And if you can't get things for your fighters, what are you doing? Everybody should be pushing for a living wage, health insurance year-round for the UFC fighters. The money's there to pay for it. The money's clearly there to pay for it. 
but that would take away from the UFC's bottom line, and God forbid that would happen. So I would implore fighters to think that bonus might be nice, but it's not life-changing. It just isn't. I'm going to close out on something that Ben Askren said on while he was talking to uh, Ariel Hawani on their radio show podcast, uh, ESPN show, and he said something about Sean O'Malley using the stretcher, and after he his foot was damaged and he could not walk on both of his feet, he was essentially a one-footed fighter when the fight ended, and he was leaving the octagon to go get medical care. And here is what Askren had to say. Yeah. Uh, to what that says to me, and then the fact that he let him cart him out, if they tried carting me out with an ankle injury, I would have fought, I would have fought someone over that. You ain't put my, you're not putting my ass on a stretcher because I got an ankle injury. I got one other good leg, and I'm going to hop all the way to the back. Leave me the F alone. Wow. So you, yeah, I, you took I that as a sign of weakness. Up. Absolutely. Yeah. You think he needs to grow up? And listen, it's part of growing up. In life, you have failures, you have struggles. You're going to learn from them. He, pro- you know, obviously hasn't lost a fight to this point, so he probably hasn't experienced those really hard things. And then, and then, and really, at this point, embarrassment also, right? Because he was building himself up, and he got his ass kicked by Cheeto Vera. He's probably a little bit embarrassed by that as well. Hey, that's that's part of it. Get get up, rub some dirt on it, hop yourself to the back. Hey, you know, you got a coach, right? Macy Barber was tough enough. She put her arm around me and Mark and we hopped to the back and dude, she was in so much pain. She didn't need a stretcher, right? Mm. If someone tries stretching me, I'm going to face shove them and get them out of my face. I'm going to hop to the back or crawl to the back or, you know, army crawl. to. The, I'm going to get to the back without a damn stretcher. That was embarrassing. This is some old school thinking that needs to go away. It's kind of knuckleheaded. And... You don't get a tough guy bonus. You don't get a hard-ass bonus. You don't get any of that. So why not use the stretcher? So the logic here is if you can hop on one leg to get to the back, you should. And so I will just ask, was Anderson Silva embarrassing when he used the stretcher after his leg broke in half? Because he still had one good leg. He, he could have hopped back to the back. See how stupid that sounds? Yeah. If you can't walk, you can't walk. And that's what happened to O'Malley. So this kind of old school, tough guy thinking just needs to disappear. It, it, it doesn't help anyone. And I'm sure Askren's not the only one that thinks this way. But a lot of thinking needs to change because if you have one leg, you can hop to the back. Why? Because you could in, you could get injured hopping to the back just just and and then what? Now you got both legs injured. Was it worth it? Was it worth it to not quote unquote embarrass yourself? Come on now, this is just silly. And on that note, finish on a come on now. I don't really get to do that that often. That'll be it for tonight, and I will be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.